Welcome to the Build Plate. My name's Asher. I'm Rainer. Good afternoon. Good morning. Welcome, everybody. It's awesome to be here for another week. I think this is our sixth week. How you doing? I, I think it's actually our seventh week. Really? Yeah, this is our seventh episode. Can you believe Holy that? Holy, it's the Lord's number. <laughs> the Lord's number. Seven days in a week. Okay. All right. Uh, we have quite an episode planned for you. Um, we're going to be focusing on the new trailer for Call of Duty Season 2. Um, we're going to be talking about how monkeys can play video games with their minds. Oh. Yeah. We, now you're talking about... Yeah, I talked about pigs, about and now I'm talking about monkeys. And, wow. That's awesome. I can't wait. And then I'm going to finish it off to explain how we can use bacteria to actually... Um, we can use bacteria as mini 3D printers. So I want to explain that a little bit. Oh, that is awesome. Ties right into kind what of you're... my field here. My my passion, my career interest, my number one thing I like to do in the past time, 3D wow. effing printing. Romcom.com, <laughs> boy, it's coming back. And of course, as Rainer said, his passion is 3D printing. So we're going to talk and finish up a little bit about the 3D printing process at the end. But before we do, we of course need that answer to that brain teaser. So how about you go ahead and restate it and then give the answer. Okay. So the brain teaser last week was how do you make the number seven even without addition, subtraction, multiplication, or division? And the answer was you drop the letter S. So if you're spelling the word seven, it's S-E-V-E-N. If you take the S away, it becomes even. Wow. That is so cheesy. <laughs> Did we get any responses? Actually, we're kind of recording this very early in the week because we have a very busy weekend. So we did not get any responses yet. So as of right now, no responses, but we expect a few. Some of my friends and I think even your friends have mentioned that they will be uh, they will be trying to guess this week for our super awesome build play keychain that we're always offering for always the offering of the brain teaser on a weekly basis. Now, before we get started on this topic, right before we, we went on, on air or started recording, you mentioned that you had a sip of a lemon cello. Yes. Can you, I'm so curious about what this is. What is a lemon cello? So lemon cello is a, an Italian drink and it is essentially the cheapest uh, vodka you can find. And then you take a bunch of lemons and you, you squeeze them and, and put the peels into a jar and you dump the cheapest vodka you can find, which in our case was uh, Everclear. And then you let it sit for a long time. Yeah, Everclear is like- Everclear? What? Yeah, you let it sit for a long time. And then eventually, when the time is right, you then remove the lemon uh, peels from it and you take out the Everclear and lemon peel solution. You strain it out and then you boil some sugar and water on the stove. And then you put the sugar water in with the Everclear mixture. You dilute it down and it becomes a nice, pleasant yellow color or is supposed to. Ours kind of looks more like an orange color. Uh, Interesting. <laughs> it doesn't matter. This stuff tastes very good. And I'm very happy with our first lemon shallow experience. Okay. So the question for you is, does this hit with a bang though? Do you get a little oh, buzz? 
hits you with a little bit of a bang. I, I just took a drop before this episode because I like to be very coherent for a podcast. Okay, yes. But yeah, uh, yeah. yeah it, it does it does hit you and it's a perfect flavor. The lemon kind of and the sugar kind of sweetens things, but then that Everclear hits you in the back and warms you up like a nice fine whiskey. And man, this is a great, great, great mixture. I'm very happy with our first trial of Lemoncello, and we will be drinking it this weekend when we hit the slopes, because I'm hitting the slopes again with my friends. You know what's funny is that um, I am going up to the slopes tomorrow. And so that's, oh, you are. Yeah, I am. You're finally headed out to Cabrafay, eh? Cabrafay, eh? And <laughs> I didn't know that was your locale. I didn't know that's where you also go. Well, and I felt like I, I discovered that three years ago. And yeah. it is the best skiing place in michigan i I think hands down yeah well i went to college in that area and gina and i did fair state university is only about 40 minutes away from there so although you might want to claim you found it first uh, i think we found it first okay. um, yeah Bay is probably one of the better hills in michigan um it's for you, those of you who don't know our listeners here it's got two pretty big hills with many runs it's great view when you get to the top of the highest one it's like you're looking out over a national forest and it's very 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 beautiful so if you're in michigan in the winter and you want to get out to the great outdoors take a trip to cabrafe and go play we're not sponsored everybody that's just me i mean i think we should be after that right that was incredible yeah. Wow. Okay. So I'm just a dumbfounded by that display of words there. I feel like I should, we should patent that. So I, I guess the main thing is, is we both kind of have action-packed weekends. And, right. Absolutely. And it's going to be a thrill, but we don't. I'm excited. Yeah. I get to hang out with some friends I haven't seen in a long time. Um, some, some friends come from UP. I'm oh, very, the UP. Yeah. From, from the UP. That was the worst UP accent I've heard. I'm sure. <laughs> please don't cancel Um, (laughs) my accent (laughs) yeah so they're coming down from the up and they're meeting us at our uh our friend lizzie's cottage and we are going to have a great weekend it we always do this every year and it's always super fun we we just love going skiing with each other and then coming back eating uh, singing karaoke, I think it's in line for this year. I don't know if they're going to let me sing my favorite karaoke song, Hotel California, but hopefully they do. Oh, that's a classic. That's a classic. <laughs> it's a classic. All right. And I'm dang good at singing. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, as much as I want to talk about how great you are at singing Hotel California, we are going to move on to the more stimulating content of the podcast. If you Hell yeah, let's mind. get into it, man. So first things first, man, last episode I talked about, you know, hey, new season's coming out in 12, so 12 days, I think. Mm-hmm. Well, I yesterday, that. Call of Duty Black Ops Cold War and Warzone dropped a season two teaser. Now, oh, tell me about it. This is incredible, man. I am so very excited. We basically got a two minute video to most people would just look like a, a like basically an animated short but to a true <laughs> fan, you noticed okay. a lot of things. And I just want to point a few of them out. Absolutely. First of all, I'm all for it. there is the introduction, or te- they tease it at least, uh, towards the end of the trailer, a new score- store streak. 
um, and that's going to be the mini gun or the death gun uh, score streak that you're going to be able to get while you're playing multiplayer, while you're slaying your your content your your competition. And so I'm excited about that. But the main trailer basically focuses on on a random cutscene in Laos, which is right next to Vietnam, in this nice little green map. Mm-hmm. And uh, we have a new bad guy, a new operator. His name is Naga. Naga. Uh, I think it's Naga. I could be saying it wrong, but yeah. Um, basically, we have we have that section, and we also get the introduction of the uh, Cold War crossbow. So oh. yeah, it was teased Exciting. in Modern Warfare. Warfare. Explosive arrows. Uh, yeah, in Modern oh, Warfare, awesome. they have the crossbow already. Yeah, not warfare. We've discussed it's not warfare, <laughs> but in war warfare, we already have the crossbow. But here we have it reintroduced in Call of Duty Cold War. Oh, that's pretty awesome. Uh, to be honest, that I'm excited about. Pretty bad. And, and, you know, that doesn't even get started on this trailer, but I'm going to do a quick synopsis and rundown of it. We're going to see a new assault rifle. A new assault rifle was teased. A new uh, uh, submachine gun was teased. And another score streak uh, that is revolving around a smoking pistol. This uh, is the second time you've said score streak. Do you think you can help our listeners understand what the, what what a score streak is for those like myself who not really sure? Do you well, get a reward? I, I will let you know what a, a score streak is, but I will say that most people will know what it is. Okay. Basically, I don't. Okay. So basically what it is is after you get so many kills in a row without dying, that's how it at least used to be you would get a reward. Now, in Call of gotcha. Duty, Cold War, it's different. It's just a, a collection of points that you get during the map, uh, during the, the round. So you could go oh. 10 kills, whether you get it all at once or multiple times, um, mm-hmm. you get this reward for killing your uh, opponents. So it's that's a special nice. thing. Some that's people nice. get UAVs. Some people get attack helicopters. I remember now. Yeah, you get like a gift that floats down from the sky in a parachute, right? Well, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I guess that's a simple a care package is what you're yeah, talking about. Yeah, you get about. a care package. That's <laughs> yeah, a gift that floats down from the sky is. I said that really well, elegantly. Yeah, yeah, we'll go with that elegantly. Care package, yeah. So you're saying that when you get enough kills throughout the match. Is it the match or the game? Match you, or game, whatever you want to say. It's your you preference. Unlock a couple new guns and some perks. Yeah, and that's basically it. It's some, so they they got they teased two of them. First okay. being the mini gun that you're going to cool. be able to get. The second what does is that do? a mini gun has right. just got a lot of bullets with not a lot of accuracy that just cuts through enemies. So it's like a really small, like a handheld pistol pistol that has a lot of. Uh, uh, bullets and okay, yeah, it's not pistol though. Have you ever seen like the 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 cylinder guns that are really yeah. big? Yeah, 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 yeah. That's what it's, I'm talking about. It's not a pistol. It's got like a, a circular okay. magazine, like a rail gun. Yeah, yeah. Wagon. Well, yeah, that's that's a thing. good way of looking at it. They haven't spun them by hand since the 1800s, but yeah, yeah at least right. you know what you're talking about. Yeah, it's a rail gun. They put it on the back of a. A freaking wagon and they say yeah to the horses and they run into the town and then the guy in the back of the wagon's like shooting everybody and then you can rob the bank 
Yeah, that's like a classic question. <laughs> but we're talking about modern times, so I mean, <laughs> oh, okay. it's not called nineteen or eighteen forty-eight uh, warfare. How did you take like a time in the eighteen hundreds and somehow co- <laughs> relate it back to something in twenty twenty-one? I don't. I almost take skill. Well, that's how my brain works. I'm thinking you're saying it's a gun where it's like it's got a big magazine. You possibly you know lots of bullets fly and you got to move the it's like a cylinder barrel and i was like hey this has got to be a rail gun and no it's kind of like a it's a it's a mini rail gun essentially that has an automatic chamber or something yeah that, i mean your your explanation is correct it has a a circular barrel that spins as it spits out bullets it's very fast it has a large cool. capacity magazine it's huge but you can so I, I'm sure that your aim is not as good with this gun. It's, it's kind not of as good. Actually, it's horrible. But if we're talking about your aim doesn't have to be that good with the spread, right? Mm-hmm. It's like we're betting right. on, on, a, on, on a, some football game, okay? If the spread's good, you're going to mm-hmm. win, all right? right. right. So, it's like a shotgun at short range. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, we'll go okay. with that. No, that's, that's, a, that's a good correlation there. Okay, so you get a minigun. What else do you get? And I, the, the other thing that we're getting was teased is some sort of like super pistol. I, I don't know super what it's going to be called. Yeah. Some people have names for it. Like I'm going to leave. 357 or yeah, something. Yeah, something like that. Supposedly, that's going to be another score streak. How's that for protection? That's. That's a good, good. Uh, Good, That's good, good joke. joke right there. That's a good joke. That's my favorite. I don't even know how. How do you come back from that? <laughs> I don't okay, know. moving on. Running through the, the the trailer. It sounds like you got to to the part where, and I I've been interrupting you, but I really think our listeners would like to hear like what a rail gun, well, a minigun is. You know, no, that's fine. I got you. conversation for our our listeners to hear. Um, I'm just trying to kind of clarify some things. But what you left off, I think, where you said you're you're gonna get new mini streaks. You're running through it. I don't want to keep putting you going in circles, but how about you give me your favorite scene from the trailer that really made, like in, when I watch a Star Wars trailer for the first time, and I'm sure this happens to you as well, there's always a point in the trailer that makes my the hair on my arm stand up. Like I get goosebumps because it's like nostalgia mixed with like a perfect soundtrack. Was that in this trailer for you? Did you get that in this trailer? No, I'll be honest, not really. What I got from this is I got a slight excitement about the new season that comes out on the 25th. And and I'm not one for ruining the surprise. But they, you know, Activision and Treyarch and Activision. and all the other people who run this the, the Warzone and Cold War have to make money, and this is one way they do it is they create anticipation. Mm-hmm. I will say my I think if I had to pick a favorite part, it was the illusion that we are getting some sort of of an addition to the Warzone map. Um, and that you have to kind of watch this, the, the trailer to kind of pick up on it. It's one line. Um, and it, it basically talks about how they're going back to Verdansk. Um, and that, as you know, Verdansk is the war zone map. So that yeah, was mentioned. About that. I remember. Yeah. So that was mentioned, which I think is incredible. But, you yeah, know, cool. we got all sorts of people playing war zone and everyone's going to be excited. Actually, even monkeys would be excited because they can, in fact, they can play video games with a technology that we've talked about already, Neuralink. 
So recently. Really? Yes, recently. Elon wow, Musk. Neuralink makes a return to our podcast. I was hoping it never would, but it, it has. And here it is. Neuralink, yeah. the scariest technology. <laughs> the- Which, you know, yeah, I think it's scary to some. But anyways, Elon Musk explained that uh, they they have brain they have put this brain implant into a monkey and the monkey can play video games with just its mind so okay last week we talked about pigs playing video games and yeah we said these 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 pigs can use their snout on a very simple xyz axis they push it up to go up they push it left to go left with their little noses i mean now we're talking about monkeys using their brains how do they quantify that? What kind of game is it? I have so many questions. Can you answer those questions? So, for so me? to be honest, it's actually very similar to the game that the monkeys were playing. So they you can mean the pigs. You the, mean sorry, the pigs. pigs. Yeah. Yes, it's very similar to what the pigs were playing. Pong. That's right. Oh, it's, it's you pong heard again. It's pong again, and they yeah. can move it back and forth with their mind. You know, I played pong before in college. <laughs> <laughs> Not ping pong. No, no, beer pong. (laughs) (laughs) That just goes to show you how innocent. That that game does not show you how smart you are. The more you play it, the dumber you you become. The monkeys and the pigs, they're playing pong. And for those of you who don't know, pong is like a platform game where you bounce a ball back into a, 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 a series of lights or boxes and they explode. But like, uh, basically... This is not correlated at all. I'm just making a play on words. When I say beer pong and then the game pong, it's just a, a play on words. Uh, but anyways, you're saying that these monkeys are now just sitting in front of a computer with Neuralink plugged into their brains and they're yeah. looking at it. Do they get rewarded in the same way the pigs would with a little treat? It's very similar. It's, it's, <laughs> it's a very <laughs> similar little- process. It's a very, yeah, it's very similar. And the reason I wanted to mention is that while it at while at surface, as I've been stating all along, that wow, it's a it's a monkey playing a video game with his mind, the human potential is immaculate. And right. of course, there's a lot of sci-fi theorists, without getting too controversial and too much into the topic, that believe in the future, this technology not only will help save people, but you can upload consciousnesses and kind of go right, crazy yeah. and be, you're coming going. A, <laughs> this is getting into that scary stuff we talked about before, but I guess I'm not too concerned at this point because it sounds like they're just monkeying around. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, listen, you know, those scientists are crazy. In fact, so crazy that they are now creating things with bacteria that we have never, ever thought of. Really? Okay. Yeah, this is crazy. What kind but, of things? And, and can you tell me, it's, bacteria is that really small like uh, creature that you can look at under a microscope, see it moving, uh, different shapes and stuff? Well, is that- I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily characterize bacteria as one single thing. Because okay, it enough. is bio hundreds guy. and hundreds of bacterias. We're going to go back to the university. I know how much you love universities. A team at Alto University. Alto. Has, Alto Palo in Texas? Uh, I think so. I don't know. Let's look it up. Does it doesn't it state. Really matter, it doesn't state that it's in Texas, but it might be. Anyways, Alto University matter. has used bacteria to produce um, three dimensional, so 3D objects 
made of nanocellulose. So okay. this is pretty nanocellulose cool. Nanocellulose is a bacteria. Uh, no, no, that is a, that's a substance. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. So explain, explain to me more. And uh, so yeah, I'll give you kind of a where quick are you rundown. Where this article from? Um, I got this article from Science Daily. Science Daily, awesome. Yeah. All right, cool. Now that we got that out of the way, I don't. Want I to can. Be- there's actually a scientific back. There's a scientific one. Um, it's called the guiding bacteria activity of biofabrication of a complex material via controlling wetting of superhydraulic surfaces. But <laughs> I didn't really think that was the perfect title. So yeah, that's the nonsense. That's a mouthful. Oh my god. <laughs> so we're gonna we're gonna just go with what I stated, but essentially. What it is, is it is it basically bacteria can be used to grow in a medium, okay, which then can be controlled to grow with certain plates. So think about this way, okay? okay. If you make a mold, let's say you want to print a tree with okay. nanocellulose. You would yep. make a in in-print 3D print on your 3D printer mm-hmm. of a tree. Mm-hmm. Then you yeah, would put it on a negative. a negative. Then you would mm-hmm. put that negative on top of this medium where the bacteria grows, and the bacteria then would eat out that medium in that shape. Oh, that's cool. So, so basically, it's it's kind of they're not programming the bacteria; they're just putting an edible or something the bacteria is attracted to in the well, shape and at the end it becomes I'm new bringing shape. it down to to a very simple simple form. There's a lot more scientific going on, but essentially what I want the audience to realize is that bacteria is not this big scary thing cuz everyone thinks bacteria is like, "Oh my god, that's something that's going to kill me." It's not. We can do so many things with these incredible um, you know, things um that a lot of people haven't even thought about. So we can create basically a 3d printed maybe something for for skin so uh, maybe if it's a little bit more biofilm so you can kind of think mm-hmm. of some biofilms or some biotechnologies that can use mm-hmm. this to help repair maybe certain um a cosmetic or 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 health issues within the body or maybe just gen in general so how fast can they print you know or you're not there yet um i would say that it's probably a few days or a day. But what I wanted to quickly mention before we kind of wrap up is that these things that they are creating, you know, you mentioned that in a 3D printer, it's what point, the nozzle is 0.4 millimeters or centimeters. You've got a great memory. It's 0.4 millimeters nozzle size, but then you print at at a width of typically from either 0.3, which is considered bad quality, all the way down to what is considered very good quality, 0.12 millimeters. So you okay. can determine how by how fast you push the, push the plastic through how thick your line is. Now, I'm going to blow your mind. With this okay. new way of printing, you can actually print stuff measuring one-tenth the di- diameter of a single hair. Whoa. <laughs> oh, yes. Wow. Yeah. Holy so this Lord. is incredibly small technology. Yeah, the resolution on that is way, 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 way greater than it is for traditional 3D printing means. Um, so I, I see this probably being used for like micro, micro computers or that type of thing. Not yeah. sure if that's mentioned in the article. They Because every time they think you hear smaller, 
in the scientific world, it always ties back to computers and trying to put as much data you can in the smallest amount of space. You know, it's like the classic Moore's law. Well, what, it, what you'll probably see this use, what the, the actual thought behind this printing technology is that nanocellulose, that, that product that I was talking about, mm -hmm. it doesn't have any adverse reactions when placed on human tissue. So as I was mentioning before, this is really great because the benefits, I mean, and we could print, you know, realistic models of organs to help mm -hmm. train surgeons. Um, we can help improve certain kind of, of testing that goes in with certain types of research like stem cell research um, and other Very types cool. of, of research that we can do. So wow. this this is boundless and this is incredible. And you can kind of thinking it you can kind of think of it as having billions of teeny little 3D printers that fit inside of a bottle. That's that's crazy. That is uh, I think beyond uh, the realm that I mess with on a daily basis. But I am excited for that type of technology to come to fruition in, into the medical and the scientific communities. Uh, and also, I'm sure there are aspects of it that are similar, even if it's just the verbiage that they use to communicate, uh, like how the, the cells are being grown in, in a 3D formation. So that, that's really cool. I really like hearing about these new kind of out there ideas that universities are developing. I always bring you something crazy, don't I? I always kind of challenge your mind a little bit with some of this stuff. Never a lack of creativity in the world. And you are doing a great job at lassoing that and bringing it to our attention. So really appreciate that. That is everything that I, you know, have to talk about. And now I could go into detail on how little bacterias, you know, start to finish create a 3D product. But I want to know how me, as a normal person, can start to finish on a product. And you have some kind of words on that. And we, you said you want to talk yeah. about a little bit yeah, about that. Yeah, that's kind of. Um, we we originally weren't planning for this to be the longest episode we had, so I really only have. One thing that I would like to touch on today, I can actually see this uh, taking more time than not, but really I'm going to go into kind of like a broad picture overview of what it takes to take something that you conceptualize in your brain and then transfer it all the way through to the end product on a traditional FDM printer that uses filament. Oh, sweet. Um, so I'm going to say, I'm going to kind of give an overview of the four words you need to think of. Design, design, prepare, prepare, transfer, transfer, and then remove, remove. I got yeah. it. So those four words. So in the design phase, this is where the creativity happens. This is where you come to me and you say, I have this amazing idea. I want this to be printed. I want to try it out. Or maybe you say, Hey, I saw this thing. I want you to print it. And you find it on a hosted site that, you know, you guys know how I feel about that. I really don't like how people, you know, do that. In fact, I think you should draw it yourself if you have an idea, but anyways, you or myself or whoever it is that's trying to print comes up with an idea and they design it and they put that into the 3d world. So that's the 3d first world. That's, now that's in terms of 3d world, cause I'm curious about this. Mm -hmm. When you say 3d world, are you talking about writing it, basically designing it on paper and then scanning it into the computer? Or I heard, 
or if our guests on last week's podcast mentioned CAD a lot. And and so is CAD like a like a Photoshop and then you put everything on CAD and then, then you're kind of in the 3D world? Yeah, so CAD is called computer-aided design. And back in the day, it was just all 2D, right? But right now, CAD is a, th- most of it is done in the 3D world. So you can literally draw 3D objects on mm-hmm. your computer and make them look 3D. That's what CAD is. So when I say 3D world, I'm glad you brought this up. It means that you are either drawing it in 3D on your computer and it has a certain file format. Um, typically the file format is a .stl that, you, that hobbyists use like me. So basically what that does is it gives a bunch of vectors and, and, and meshes and meshes together all the data. And it, it basically says, this piece of data right here is a 3D object in the in computer language. So okay, that's the design phase. You have to get something in 3D in 3D All right, first. So you're telling me there's multiple avenues, yeah, so but the the big thing is is to have it in the .stl form. So then you can kind of manipulate it maybe more. Right. So you you get .stl or uh, you you draw it yourself and you make your own .stl. So. For this purpose, give me something that you want to print. All right. So Valentine's Day was last week. So I want to create a 3D printed rose. Okay. Yeah. So that's a great example. Thank you for that. So what I would do is I would go on. So if I was not me and I was a lazy person, I would go on a, a 3D object site like Thingiverse and things. We mentioned these in the past and I would search rose or Uh flower. And I could find it on that site, no doubt. I would that I I would also design it. If it was me, me, I would design it. So I design it in CAD. Now I'm at the point where I have the STL file that we talked about, the right file that says this is a rose in computer language. Yeah. So then I jump to prepare. Remember, we have four words: design, prepare, transfer, and remove. Okay. So now we're in the prepare phase. We talked about design. Now we're talking about prepare. So in the prepare phase, you have to prepare two things. One, you have to prepare the printer, the equipment. Two, you have to prepare the file. So the STL file now needs to be converted into what's known as G-code. And this is the language that the printer speaks. So up until this point, I am speaking English, but in order to get the printer to work, I will be speaking Spanish, a different language. So that's where I need to prepare the file. And how you do that is you use something called a slicing software. We've also mentioned this on the podcast, but hopefully this brings it into reality or and helps people understand what a slicing software is. It basically takes that, that STL file, so let's say the rows, and it will take it. And the best way I can describe this is you have a, a pile of pancakes. So you have one pancake, you put a pancake on top of that pancake, Eventually, you're going to have a stack of pancakes. If you would take that stack and look at it, it would be a cylinder, right? Yeah. So oh, that's a really good way of explaining so one it. One pancake at a time. It's layer by layer by layer. What this software does, the slicing software, is it takes that .stl file and it will slice it into a bunch of layers. Okay. And then it will tell the machine, which in this case is a, uh, a 3D printer, it will say, mm-hmm. this is how you make this part with this pass on each of these layers. And that's what G code is. That's another file type. So then you prepare 
the, the CAD data in STL, you slice it and it becomes G code. Okay, good. You prepared your file. Now we're going to prepare our printer. So in order to be ready for the file and the, the printer to come together, you need to make sure that you have the right material. So what I typically do is I turn on my printer and I set it to the correct temperatures. And oh, depending wait, wait. on the, printer, I think we talked about temperatures already. But is this something that you can, you know, is it like Bluetooth, or do you like manually use buttons to 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 change the temperature? So I'm going to get into that in the next step when I talk about transfer. Okay. But in the most archaic way, you go up to your machine and you go on the screen or a, a twisty knob and you say, "Hey, I'm going to set my nozzle temperature." And I'm going to set my build my build plate temperature typically if you have that feature on your printer. Okay. So I'll get those set and I'll get them warming up. Typical time elapsed before you have a warm printer for mine. I have an artillery X1 printer and this thing heats up very quickly. So it takes roughly about uh, a minute and a half for it to get up to temperature. Really, it's very fast. So I, oh, that's good. I say, okay. To prepare my printer, what do I need? I need to make sure I have the right temperatures ready and I need to make sure I have the right material loaded. So at this point, I take a break from the computer, I go to my printer, I set the temperatures and I change out the filament. And that's also a manual control on the printer interface. So you can retract the filament, I cut the new roll, I bring a new roll in and I set it up on my printer and then I string it through the feed system and I feed it in and I extrude a little bit more than needed so I can take out the old color. So there's typically a, a color in there already, let's say black, and I'm trying to make pink roses. So I put pink into the, 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 the 3D printer. It then will I'll push out all the black. This is called purging. You're purging the machine. I push out all the black with the pink material until I only see pink material. So I have a good color, right? That makes sense, right? Because you don't want to, I mean, you don't want a black rose. We're not trying to go to the fruit roll. Right. Oh. <laughs> exactly. I guess I assumed I shouldn't have assumed all, all roses are very equal. Um, any color you want, pink, red, blue, green, black, orange, yellow. Absolutely. Diversity is important. Yes. Diversity of roses is in, important and it's very, very uh, good to have that thought. But anyways, now we're talking about material. So we have the right material. We have the printer up to heat. The last thing we need to make sure is that our build plate, name of our podcast, shout Woo! out. <laughs> our build plate needs to be clean and prepared. So you want to make sure that when you're printing, the surface that the, the plastic gets pushed onto, so it needs to be clean and free of oils. It needs to be a substance that the plastic will stick to and stick to throughout the print. So you don't want that coming up or warping off of it. We've also mentioned that in the past episode. Warping is when the part starts to cool and it shrinks and then it peels away from that build plate and then it starts to come loose and then you start getting spaghetti, what's known as spaghetti, where the, the, the material is just printing all over the place and it doesn't stick to anything. So you don't uh, want that. You, you want a nice, you want a nice structured design. A right. really good, you want a really neat stack of pancakes. Yes, right? exactly. You want... A stack of flint uh, of <laughs> flapjacks. <laughs> that sounded very weird. Pancakes. You want a very neat stack of pancakes. So what you do 
is you clean off your bill plate. So what I do is I go to my bill plate, I spray some alcohol on it, I take a paper towel, I wipe it down with the paper towel, and then I go ahead and right now what I do is I put glue stick, your everyday glue stick that has purple and then it dries clear. I put a layer of that down on the bill plate. And this is to make it more sticky? Yeah, it, it actually dries and then the plastic sticks really well to that. And I have not had any issues with my prints coming off the back. So this is like a like a, a medium that you put between the plate and the print. Yeah, it's called like an adhesion aid, really. Um, so yeah, it's oh, called okay. PVA glue. It's a PVA-based glue. PVA is a, a chemical or like things like polyvinyl or something. I don't know what it is. I should, but I don't. So yeah, I put the glue stick down. But people do many things. Some people just spray hairspray. Like I used to do that before I got this new build plate. I used to use blue tape, so painter's tape, uh-huh. and then I would put hairspray on it. Ah, and that would take time to put the tape down, spray the hairspray. So the fastest method I found right now is just a quick glue stick, and then I start the print. So that is we're we're all the way in to prepare. We've prepared the printer, we've cleaned off the build plate, and we've changed the material and we've warmed it up. So we're done preparing. So we have design, prepare. Now we're going to talk about transfer, which is relatively a fast step. And this is where you take the file that you prepared. That's a G code, right? Yes, in in G code. Very good. And you take the printer that we prepared and you bring them together. And that's where you start your print. So you asked me if I have a Bluetooth or I can communicate to my printer through my uh, through the Wi-Fi at my house, well, I can, and I use something called uh, Octoprint or Octopi, uh, depending on how you want to look at it or who you are. But I use this service. I save the file, the G code, locally, and then I can save it onto a web-based interface, and then my computer communicates with my uh, printer through a Raspberry Pi, and it will. I can save the file and start the file, the print right from my computer. If you don't have this access connecting your computer to your printer like that, what you do is you just save it to a USB thumb drive or a uh, SD card. And you can take that to your printer most times, stick it in your printer and then select it on, on the touchpad and hit play. So there's basically two different ways of doing this transfer step. It's either doing it digitally or physically by putting the USB code, the USB directly into the printer. That's a great way of synopsizing it. So we're done with transfer now. We've, we've now done design, we've done prepare, and we've done transfer. As you can see, that's quite a bit, quite, quite a lot of steps already that we talked about. Um, and at first, it, it will take you a long time if you're just getting into the hobby. If you're good at it, you can get all this down depending on how long design, without design in, in, in mind, because design typically takes a long time if you're drawing it on computer. It can take up to two hours or even a couple of days if you're trying to make a big design. So from prepare all the way through to transfer, right now that doesn't need to take a long time. That probably should only take five minutes if you're good at printing, tops. So now we're into the remove. So remove is when, so after you transfer your file and you hit start, you should just be able to step away and just go by your day if you have everything dialed in correctly and you prepared everything correctly. Mm-hmm. So remove is the physical uh, or the step, sorry, not the physical, what am I saying? Is the step where you actually go to the printer and you take the print off the bed, which is actually a bigger step than most people know. 
because you have to bend it. You have to take the part off. And not only do you take the part off the build plate, you then have to clean the part up depending on what you printed. So okay. sometimes if you printed a, a part that needs support, so areas are printing in midair, there needs to be support material under there. You have to remove the support. Or a lot of times since I'm using uh, glue stick now, I actually have to wash the, the parts off after I remove them. So that's what the remove step is. It basically is you take the part off the build plate, you, you clean it up, you make it look presentable, and then you're done. So that's a brief overview. Didn't take too long, hopefully didn't bore you, but just to summarize, design, prepare, transfer, remove. Those are the four steps that I, I kind of compiled in my brain for starting a 3D print and making something uh, with 3D printing. So just to kind of give a quick overview on the progress of the rose. So here's what happens from what I'm understanding. We think of a, a rose. We put it in, into CAD. We create it into CAD, and it's an STL file. Then we say, okay, we need a splicer program. So we find a splicer program, slicing. and we turn slicing. slicing slicing program, and we turn it into G-code. From there, uh, right before there, we're going to go to our printer, and we're going to prepare it. We're going to clean it out, purge it out, warm it up. And then after that's done, our code has been prepared. It's ready to do a transfer. We yep. then transfer it either physically with a USB or through a cloud service. Then it prints. Right. It takes a multiple times. It just You can't really put a time on the rows. Let's right. say it takes five hours. Right. Depending Once it's on done, what kind of rows, the complexity, yeah, it could take five hours. It could take a day, depending. Yeah, right. Anyway, so gotcha. And so after that, it's done printing. I'm going to bend the build plate. It's going to pop off, and I'm going to yes, either have to all, sand not it. Every, not everybody can bend their build plates, though. That's a special one I have. The wham band. Thank you, ma'am. <laughs> yes, the wham band. Thank you, ma'am. But whatever. You removed the part. Continue. Sorry. And that's it. And so I might have to, to either glue the stem back on if I printed it in different parts. But whatever it is, by the end of the remove stage, I have a working product. And I right. think that's important exactly. to state. From start to finish, these things generally uh, – what's great about 3D printing and what I like that you've kind of inadvertently said is that anything that you think of and you want to print, you can print. And yes, it takes some time, but as long as you get those three main things down, you can create a lot of really cool, complicated or simple designs. And that's what you do. And that's why I'm so excited to hear about the start to finish process because, you know, I don't have a 3D printer. But mm -hmm. after hearing you talk about it, Gosh darn it, I want one. Because That's awesome. so, Yeah, absolutely. I think that was a great way of, of bringing it down, letting our listeners know that, hey, anything that you could do is possible with their 3D printer. And, and there's a learning process, and that's okay. And Correct. it doesn't matter yeah. about the printer that you get. Yeah, and I, I also wanted to point out with this discussion that it's not – on the other side of the coin, it's not as simple as just hitting some buttons and printing something out. There is some absolutely work into that. So when somebody asks you to print something, it's it's good for people who are asking for things to be printed to understand it's not super easy. It's so not what a you're big saying button on my desk. What you're saying is if you have a friend that knows how to 3D print, saying, "Hey, can you just print me this this dog tag? I need it for my dog. I need it for my, my it's really easy. All you have to do is press a button." You're saying, "No, it's not. This process takes a while." That's exactly right. Chances are your friend is going to love doing that for you because 3D printing anything new for any 3D printer 
brings a certain kind of high uh, to, to their life at that moment. So, yeah, that's all I have for this week. I think you're the one with the brain teaser this week. You want to give that to our audience? I sure do. I have a fantastic brain teaser prepared. And believe it or not, I'm going to do it in classic English accent. Oh, amazing. Yes. I'm excited for the accent. Yes. So, as you know, I love um, interesting and very hard brain teasers. Yes, I know this. This one is, Mr. and Mrs. Mustard had six daughters. Each daughter has one brother. How many people are in the Mustard family? Oh, wow. Can you, uh, one more time, just for our listeners? Sure. And I'll do it in a a classic American accent. Uh, Mr. and Mrs. Mustard have six daughters, and each daughter has one brother. How many people are in the Mustard family? Wow, amazing. Um, Don't know the answer, honestly, but I'm going to have to catch up with you next week. For sure. And listen, if you guys discovered the answer to this brain teaser, we want to hear your answers. Whether it's wrong or not, if you are the first person to respond, you get a free build plate uh, keychain. Is that what it is? That's right. Keychain. So go ahead. It doesn't matter if it's wrong or right. We are inclusive here. We want to hear. We want participation. So jump in on, on that. It's the buildplatepodcast at gmail.com. And if you've made it this long in the podcast, we appreciate you so much. Thank you so much for listening. And we'll see you back next week. <laughs>